I'm Douglas Brush, and you're listening to Cybersecurity Interviews. Cybersecurity Interviews is the weekly podcast dedicated to digging into the minds of the influencers, thought leaders, and individuals who shape the cybersecurity industry. I discover what motivates them, explore their journey in cybersecurity, and discuss where they think the industry is going. The show lets listeners learn from the experts' stories and hear their opinions on what works and doesn't in cybersecurity. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Cybersecurity Interviews. In this episode, we're speaking with Bernard Hardingguy. Bernard is the Chief Technology Officer and General Manager of Intelligence from Ping Identity. Bernard joined Ping in 2018 through the acquisition of Elastic Beam, where he was the CEO and founder. His work at Elastic Beam revolutionized the use of AI to protect API infrastructures from cyber attacks and delivered deep insight into API access and usage. Bernard earned his MS in Engineering Management from Stanford University and a BS in Electrical Engineering from the University of California, Irvine, where he was inducted into the Engineering Hall of Fame. In this episode, we discuss starting an email security, identity as the perimeter, API security, selling to the C-suite, how AI will help security, IoT security, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Bernard, thanks for joining me on Cybersecurity Interviews. How are you today? Uh, very good, Douglas. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, no problem. How is beautiful San Francisco today? I'm actually in Tennessee today. Tennessee um, today. What brings you down Tennessee there? Tennessee with a customer. Oh, very cool. So you, you are based out of San Francisco, but uh, kind of tell us a little bit about how you got to Ping, where you are now, and San Francisco and your kind of journey in, into to where you are now. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I came to the acquisition of a company that I founded with uh, a friend of mine um, uh, called Elastic Beam. And we joined Ping just about a year ago in April of uh, 2018. Gotcha. And you've been doing security probably before we were actually really calling it security. If I go back and kind of look at your, your bio going back to late 90s, early 2000s with email security and some other products. How did that kind of come about and how did you shape the conversation around security at that time? Well, it's a, it's a really good question. You know, I was, uh, uh, I was privileged to, uh, uh, to have a class at Stanford University when I was there for my master with, uh, with Mr. Hellman uh, from the Delphi Hellman algorithm used for public private key uh, crypto and that really got me into the crypto stuff way back when I was in school and, and after that I, I just developed a, a love for security and and through the years I, I get fortunate to uh, to work alongside great people and different companies uh, email security where we my team participated in the develop a, development of uh, the secure mind protocol as mine uh, did a lot of work with endpoint security. Uh, we built some of the first, you know, email security appliances on the market. Uh, very involved with uh, with uh, anything linked to browser security. Uh, turn around a company that uh, I sold to Google. That became the core of Google Chrome uh, back then. And then uh, and and then Elastic Beam, where I realized. Uh, several years back that uh, APIs were going to be the uh, main interface to anything of value, data, applications, both in a 
traditional commercial world, but also the telco world, the IoT world, and realized that uh, there was no real security for APIs yet. So that got me on that journey um, of API security. Gotcha. Now with with that too, you know, one of the things that we hear now, particularly with you being at Ping, is that, you know, identity is a new perimeter. Uh, you know, I, I get to know what that means because I do a lot of cloud integrations with customers and clients. But, you know, what does that really mean, you know, to folks that have been in security for a while or maybe just getting into security when we say, you know, identity becomes the new key thing we need to focus on? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Um, the, the world of security has drastically changed over the last few years. You know, we went from environment that we trusted, um, kind of quote-unquote inside the boundary of your perimeters. If somebody was already in the building, you would trust that person. Same thing if somebody was already on your network, uh, you would trust that person and just verify that it is the right person. And this concept of, of, of perimeters of people inside the building have completely disappeared over the last few years. Uh, on a physical world, people work from home, on the road. Uh, sometimes they are rarely in the office, rarely on the office network itself. Uh, most access are done over the web, over HTTP, ideally HTTPS, right? Uh, and all of these get us to a world where there's really no more perimeters. And so you're now uh, left with two things, right? People and identities of those people or devices, too. It could be an IoT device, trying to access data and application. So now the security world has changed from trying to really control the network and everything on the network to let's focus instead on making sure that we connect the right people to the right data, and that we make sure that only those that have entitlement to that data have access to that data. And a lot of people are, are talking about this concept now in the a, in a, in a context of zero trust, right? The zero trust world. Uh, what it means is that we move from a world where we kind of trusted the people that were already on and verified that they really were the who said they were, to where we don't trust anyone. And we absolutely have to guarantee that the person accessing the application is the right person with the right credential and with the right you know, entitlement to those apps and, and data. And in that context, as you can see, identity becomes the keystone of security these days. And that's true for access to traditional web apps or applications as well as APIs. Right? You want to know that whoever is accessing this application, this API, this data, is the right person. And as that person continues to access data and application, that you continuously verify and validate that everything is all right. And so, yeah, identity has become the cornerstone of security. And I think that's going to be the way the way it's going to be for a very long time. Now, <clears throat> certainly with one of that, one of the challenges I've seen with with folks is, you know, now we have these you know, very large uh, kind of environments that are in the cloud, and the large in the sense that they can be kind of anywhere. So really, uh, you know, they could be in, in public clouds, private clouds, really anywhere. And, um, 
the challenges, you know, saying we can really stand up a bunch of stuff really quick. And the application developers don't necessarily think about security. They think about getting their product to market. Are you seeing it get better in that sense as, you know, there's been more issues with open S3 buckets, uh, GitHubs that go uh, from private to public, that developers are getting better about thinking about that API security? Uh, yeah, I would say I would say yes, <laughs> but the challenge is that uh, the the hacking world is getting more and more sophisticated. So on one hand, I think that uh, for the larger organization, the IT security staff uh, are getting are starting to be really good, and they are sharing a lot of that. Uh, best practice and understanding of how to do things correctly from a security point of view more and more with DevOps. So you have this concept now of, of SecOps or Secure DevOps. Um, but there's a big shortage of security talent uh, out there. And that shortage is making it harder for those organizations that have less, less money to invest, less budget. Uh, to to propagate across all of their teams uh, proper security or purchase the right security tools. But even with the best security teams, the problem we've seen is it's a constant uh, cat and mouse game, right? Uh, hackers are getting better and better, more and more sophisticated, and it's, it's, they, they, it always feels like they are ahead, right, for some reason. And API infrastructures have uh, kind of uh, been the target of hackers these days uh, because they, they really are the gateway to everything of values and because there's not much between a hacker and an API. Uh, remember, APIs are... HTTP, HTTPS connections, they are URLs, they are web traffic. And so the traditional security techniques don't really apply there. And what we've seen, uh, you know, in that context of keeping up, even so DevOps has really, I think, nailed more and more these days the concept of the OAP stand uh, tenants, right, in terms of what, how to best write code so you don't have vulnerability for command injection or SQL injection or cross-site scripting attacks. Uh, teams are good at scanning the code. So that's starting to be behind us. However, uh, we have seen in the last couple of years finely tuned attacks on APIs that are just bypassing uh, everything that you would consider to be traditional security measures. Uh, those provided by CDNs, by WAF, by by traditional API gateways, uh, bypassing everything uh, to get to data. Uh, we've seen, for example, uh, Facebook with 30 million user accounts compromised and, and not, not discovered for 14 months. Uh, we've seen attacks on T-Mobile, Verizon, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, Location smart was a good one too, and USPS, and, and the list goes on. Uh, um, it's just uh, it's just a continuation of um, you know uh, what started. Uh, hackers are constantly looking for new attack surfaces. APIs are a great one uh, to go after, and 
and the fact that they are uh, is getting I mean even so the teams are getting better and better they they just don't have the capability to to really track and understand what's happening with the API grid the API infrastructure yeah I've actually sat there with folks that are that are pretty technology and security aware and you know talk about um, the sharing of their their github keys and say you know we don't have anybody that's you know legacy in there and then they go into a control panel and say oh my god this person still has access and they tend to forget the types of things so it's it's also not just a malicious it seems to be just difficult even to track um those types of api access and identity access because it's very easy to set up and almost forget about it yes that, that's true and you're absolutely right uh, there is uh, the development teams and the DevOps team are constantly under pressure uh, to get those applications out as fast as they can. <clears throat> they test them good, they test them well, but um, the, the sheer number of permutations of different states that an application or an API can find itself is so great, it is very difficult to identify the vulnerabilities that may lay dormant there. And then you combine that with uh, the fact that, as you said, many people forget to put proper access control uh, layers on top of everything uh, or forget to maintain and change them. Uh, I mean, it just leaves the door open for, for things to happen, for hackers to come in and, and take, those, take those valuable credit card numbers or uh, account information or you know take over bank accounts but there's one thing that we've seen uh, Douglas that uh, is 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 quite remarkable uh, is that what we've seen hackers do and almost I say almost all I'm tempted to say all but you can never say all so I, I stick to almost all uh, almost all of the last two years worth of visible, publicized uh, API breaches that we have seen uh, have all started with a valid account. And I'm bringing this up because when a hacker starts with a valid user account, he looks like a normal user. And your IT security team are used to mostly go after unknown users. When the hacker is using a valid account, it looks like a normal user, so the red flags don't go up. And it will use a valid account to start to understand how the API works. It's gonna bypass the UI and look at the data flow and control flow. And it's gonna keep looking and searching and inserting things and trying things until he finds the state of the API or the application that is going to give him access to data without doing another credential check. And at that point, he takes over that account, any account he wants typically. Uh, this is really what happened to Facebook. This is what happened to Instagram. This is what happened to USPS, who lost 60 million accounts, or information about 60 million accounts. Uh, and the list goes on. Uh, it's, it's using a valid account to understand how the API works, to find the vulnerability, to get the API to get him data and account information without doing more credential checks. That's what hackers are after. And, and as you can tell, right, it doesn't matter how many, 
how many WAF and how many firewalls and how many layers of security you have. It's a valid account. It's a valid user. So everything is going to go on unnoticed, unchallenged, undetected. And uh, the challenge that DevOps and security team have is actually to really go after those guys. Uh, and I mentioned the well-known, obviously, uh, highly publicized breaches that we see with APIs. Uh, but, you know, in, in the world out there, when you talk to insurance companies, healthcare providers, banking groups, and banks in general, uh, you see that uh, these type of attacks are well known because they have seen them, they have experienced them. And by the way, talking about APIs, right, and banking, uh, the Open Banking um, Foundation, PSD2, forcing opening up the APIs for, you know, interbanking application access, this is creating another, I would say, a great, uh, uh, you know, uh, target for hackers to uh, to go after. So uh, it's it's you know you start why, why do we start uh, this uh, API business way back? Is we will start to see all of this coming up on the horizon, Douglas, and I realize we had to deliver solutions that could help teams understand what's happening with the API infrastructure and be able to detect. Uh, those type of attacks and automatically block them. So that, that's what we, we ended up focusing on. And and that's a business that Ping purchased last year. So with that too, it still sounds like there's a challenge, you know, out there with this is kind of that detection, uh, alerting, monitoring, the logging, you know, from a defender's perspective to know the good from the bad. Are there better technologies out there now that can, you know, kind of supplement some of these other identity managers that help you know, people log and have better, um, I guess, aggregation of that data over time? Yeah, from an identity point of view, right, um, if you want uh, an increased layer of protection, obviously you need uh, a good identity access and management system. Uh, uh, you need good MFA, right, multi-factor authentication, so that if someone has... Uh, managed to steal credentials, uh, to uh, uh, or do credential stuffing, uh, to get to an account. MFA will typically stop those guys in their track because uh, we were talking about zero trust. MFA is kind of part of zero trust where you double check that the person who is trying to access the account is really that person. So you use you use another factor. It could be anything from a push notification. On a, on a known device that that person owns. It could be a, a touch ID request, it could be a biometric, it could be anything. So typically something else the person knows or something the person has um, uh, or something the person can provide that belongs to to him or her. So MFA is, is, is really good. Everyone should have MFA deployed. Um, so it's another guarantee on, on the authentication. And then you need a, a good environment to double check the entitlement to data, essentially, so that it's not because you have access to certain accounts that you necessarily should have access to uh, all of the data behind that APIs, for example. So uh, the tools are there today, and, and uh, deploying them has never been uh, simpler these days, and they can be deployed in public cloud, private cloud, hybrid, 
Uh, obviously, Ping is known for having one of the very best uh, hybrid uh, uh, implementations for identity access and management solutions uh, out there. Uh, we uh, obviously uh, support some of the largest organizations in the world with that. So, but to answer your question, right, you, you have some really good solution out there. You just need to uh, layer them and, and use them. So on the identity side, obviously, uh, uh, the ability to uh, layer MFA becomes critical. So I would guess a good about of your your role is kind of selling the solution, working with other senior leaders in your company's organization or your customers' organizations. Uh, does the question still come up of, geez, you know, is security going to slow down my team, my production? Is, you know, I don't want security to be an encumbrance. Is that still a concern a lot of the customers that you have have about security? So uh, a good identity environment uh, obviously demands, right, that you typically traditionally supply a user ID, a password. Uh, more and more now, a second factor. Uh, second factor can be, you know, a FIDO2 uh, key, uh, can be, uh, as I was saying, another factor like a bio. But all of these obviously makes it a little bit, create more friction with a lot of users, right? So more security, better for the business, but it takes more time for the users to log in, to get to where once, leads to some frustration. The answer to all of this has been uh, obviously the, the use more and more of uh, intelligence, um, a combination of AI. And it's part of the technology that uh, uh, we have already stated at Ping, we were uh, uh, working on developing and, and uh, we'll, we'll start delivering uh, in, in the near term where intelligence allows you uh, to understand much better uh, everything about the person that's trying to make this access, everything about his, where he's coming from, his device, his network, uh, the, 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 the fingerprint of his, uh, uh, everything around him, and then understanding the past pattern. And at the end of the day, then you can make a decision to let this person access his, his uh, you know, email account, for example, with, with, uh, with nothing more than an ID, uh, for example. And the moment you realize that he's trying to access more uh, critical and maybe restricted data set, you ask him for a little bit more information about him. So you can do some intelligent step up in authentication based on either changes of his pattern or based on what he's trying to access. Uh, all this lead to an environment where uh, you, deliver, you deliver actually with AI and intelligence, intelligent identities, a better security, a much stronger security with less and less friction uh, with a user to even no friction when you get to zero login at all. But there's another asset to this. Uh, proper security also is very taxing on the IT teams. They are currently setting rules and policies and it's all manual. Sometimes they conflict and it takes time to set up and maintain. 
with intelligence, you now have a frictionless environment, you now have better security, and you have practically no rules. In fact, with a proper uh, solution, you have no rules because it's all, uh, uh, it's all figured out on the fly. So you solve the user problem, you have better security, and you also solve a big IT problem, which is the maintenance and, and, and uh, the work around setting up policies and rules. And I mentioned earlier this, less and less, you know, I would say, train uh, security uh, teams out there, and that obviously is very helpful. But that was also the principle behind the API security, which is all AI-driven, where uh, same thing, no rules, no policies. It can adapt to changing attack patterns automatically because we're not looking for matching an attack pattern. We're just looking for abnormal behavior uh, on an API or on the data and application behind. Similarly, with when we apply that to identities, look, you're looking now for abnormal behavior uh, past authentication on the data and application that this person uh, or device, it could be an IoT device, is, is accessing. And so intelligence gives you a, a really good way to eliminate friction uh, at the beginning, at the point of authentication and access. And then as a person or device continues to access and consume resources um, uh, with the organization, there's this continuous checks that's going on in order to detect something that may be abnormal. Uh, again, increasing security, uh, and without being, uh, uh, I would say, an entrance to the user. And so this concept of continuous session observation is one that you're going to see becoming more and more important, and also part of the zero trust environment. You don't trust that person, you verify everything about him, you let him in, and then you continuously verify that he's doing the right thing, and red flag anything abnormal so that you can automatically do something about it. Gotcha. And, you know, a lot, a lot you know, we obviously heard the words machine learning, artificial intelligence a lot in the past couple of years, particularly in the context of IT and security. Um, is that technology mature enough now that can really make that impact to say, okay, yeah, we, we have, maybe we don't have enough people in cybersecurity. Maybe we have a, a, a number of heads that we need to fill in, in the roles and might not have all the skills. Can this can these technologies, are they near to the point of helping kind of shore up some of those gaps in, in people's security programs? Yeah, they, they, they really are, uh, I would say. And uh, we've been working with it for the last uh, four years ourselves. Uh, and so the answer is yes. And uh, I think that uh, you, you, get, uh, you get with AI uh, a, a form of automation that uh, was not there before. So you can think of AI, and, and it's not AI in the context of you know, mimicking the human brain. It's, it's more AI to sort out. Um, uh, it's a big data problem in general, so you're sorting out all of the the data patterns that you're seeing and to identify that needle in a haystack, that, that one that one connection or one set of transactions that is really uh, 
how can I put it? It can really get red flag because that that one among these hundred twenty thousand transactions per second that are going on right now, there's one that is not right, and AI can help you sort that out. A human uh, cannot, um, and and we have seen even with. Uh, you know, uh, breaches happening and people going through their Splunk logs and crunching Splunk logs for weeks and weeks after a month sometime, uh, finding out exactly, oh, that's what happened, right? Uh, well, AI uh, is bec becoming sophisticated enough that it can flag this near real time. Uh, it will never be instantaneous, but it's going to be in the next several minutes. Um, uh, that it will tell you, hey, um, 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, this is what happened. And, and sometimes it will be instantaneous, uh, more rarely. We'll say, hey, uh, 20 seconds ago, we saw that and we blocked it. AI is really getting to the point where uh, you, you're getting to be able to really get that view uh, of the abnormal among those very big normal things that are going on yeah it seems that you know humans are good at seeing patterns to a degree but it just doesn't scale and that's where technology like this can really kind of help out it sounds like yeah very much so uh, and you know uh, the thing with uh, with hackers they too use ai right i was saying they they're it's like a cat and mouse game uh, they're always ahead they too use ai so they, you have tools out there that will attack your, your uh, it could be, be an attack on an API infrastructure, your attack directly on the apps or the web servers. And, and if they ever uh, get blocked, the attack will instantly change um, and, and come back with a new pattern. And, and so it's, if you don't have the ability to counter that with uh, similar technology to also be able to adapt instantly and recognize the new pattern very quickly, then you've lost that game. The hacker has won. So this is where uh, AI is uh, not only maturing to the point where it's becoming very, very useful, uh, and deliver a ton of value uh, to those organizations that don't have the know-how and the expertise. But it's also a must-have, uh, as hackers are using it themselves uh, to attack your organization. And the only way to counter many of those attacks is with AI itself. So uh, it's still on the defensive side. Uh, a lot of organizations have used AI on the offensive side, but they tend to... Uh, be more affiliated with the government uh, uh, than with the public sector. Right. Now, it's certainly I'm, I'm curious how some of the newer technologies that are out there play into this as well, because you know, we kind of look at it from, you know, not only identity, but API. But how, how, are, how are things like the IoT devices kind of cropping up on this? Because they're, they're typically not thought of as, as well-secured products. They, you know, have a lot of issues with their trust and identity. How are they going to play into corporate infrastructures and be able to be trusted devices that can, you know, really kind of help organizations instead of hurt them? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, unfortunately, we've seen some very large IoT-based uh, attacks uh, happen in the last couple of years. But 
uh, and a lot of it in the consumer side. Uh, and we have seen also uh, IoT devices being hijacked to launch DDoS attacks on, on uh, in this case, on the, uh, uh, <coughs> on the uh, oh, I'm blanking, too much jet lag there, Douglas, <laughs> uh, on the DNS infrastructures. Uh, so, but the the key with IoT devices, I think, uh, that we've seen uh, over the last few years is bad, bad programming, where the the developers were not and have not used proper, uh, even for well from well-known organizations, have not used proper uh, security practices in the development of their of their. Uh, uh, software that goes embedded in the thermometer, for example, or that TV or a toy. And that left it open to hackers. And, and, and the hackers have used it essentially to penetrate the Wi-Fi network of the home uh, via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or whatever is available. So it, it starts with proper security uh, practices when developing code, number one. Um, and, and I think these organizations are starting to learn, but it's still, we're still at the beginning there. Uh, two, uh, IoT devices can be secured, um, or at least you can properly identify uh, IoT devices uh, by using digital certificates, for example, embedded with a device so that when the device connects, you know it is the right device connecting to you and, and not something else that's trying to take over your uh, industrial plant, for example. And so there are good tools out there already. Uh, more and more are needed. Uh, more and more are needed to have a clear understanding and deep visibility into all of the details behind every transaction happening, right? And that's true in general for uh, what I call the API grid. The API grid doesn't matter if it's a, an IoT device or a uh, user accessing uh, his, uh, his calendar or uh, the database with his customer information. Uh, that, that API grid is vulnerable mostly because people don't have a really good view into the details of all the traffic uh, across it. Uh, even worse than that, uh, Douglas, I've had uh, uh, chief security information officers of very large organization, banks, telling me, you know, Bernard, what's keeping me up at night is that I'm not sure that I know about all of the APIs that are out there uh, right now in my organization. One could show up, I don't know about, unprotected, opening the door to an outsider. And so, you know, uh, you start with really uh, being able to track all of the APIs and knowing that uh, you know about all of them. And then it's, it continues with really knowing what's happening on every API at all times. And so these two, I would say, tenants, right? Uh, it's not even detection now. It's not even blocking an attack. It's about making sure you really understand uh, about all of your APIs and all of the URLs attached to the APIs and knowing what's going on with each one of them. That's missing today. And, and it's missing for the IoT world, missing for the regular world. And that's the reason many of the very successful API breaches were not detected for weeks and months and years, right? Facebook, 14 months, Google, two years. 
And those teams are good. It's not that they are not good. They are very talented teams. It's just that the volume of data going across a network, the volume of transaction is such that the human factor doesn't, is not good enough anymore. And you need, you need really good tracking tools. So uh, I think there are good ways to secure IoT infrastructure today, but it's more needed uh, in order to really track everything that's going on. With that too, it sounds like there's still issues with CISOs maybe not being in direct conversation with maybe a CTO, product manager, engineers, where that development team might be doing one thing, but the CISO kind of is left in the dark. And we've certainly seen that. I mean, that's not a new problem. Um, But is that something that's going to become more of a problem now that we have such uh, accessibility to turn on um, cloud services, open up APIs, do things that there's a programmatic issue where the security leadership might not even know these things are even occurring because of the culture in the organization. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, what we see is that uh, the world of security has not uh, caught up with APIs. And they are still, in many ways, uh, being challenged by uh, a ton of of security initiatives that are must-have that that they are still for many of them you know behind in terms of you know deployed maintain and so forth and and because the enterprise security world is is not caught up with apis apis are still mostly um, i would say uh, not properly uh, addressed from the point of view of security and and that's that and the lack of visibility is the reason why we have seen some of those major breaches, right? USPS, uh, uh, 60 million user account compromised. That's a lot, right? 60 million. <laughs> We're not talking about detecting the first one or two. There are 60 million accounts compromised before they realize, oops, something is wrong. Uh, Facebook, it was 30. Uh, so it, it shows you, right, it's very challenging. But the fact that people have not caught up with API security, um, I think it's just a matter of time. Um, uh, the, I, I would say the, the, the world is changing. They are catching up with it. They are realizing how important that is. And more and more of every, I would say, every critical data and application is being fronted with an API. So. Uh, it's just a matter of time before CIOs, I think, uh, address the, the issue uh, with, uh, with a total focus and attention that it deserves. Well, that's great. Well, Bernard, we covered a lot today, and I, I greatly appreciate you taking the time. Where can, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, you know, very simple. Uh, uh, Bernard Hagen, uh, so... So it's B Hagi Digi at uh, pingidentity.com. Uh, and I'm also on Twitter uh, under B Hagi Digi. Well, great. I'll be sure to put all that in the show notes so people can find you. Um, well, again, thank you so much for taking the time today and uh, look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you very much, Douglas. A real pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Cybersecurity Interviews. I hope that you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. 
please go to cybersecurityinterviews.com where you can find every episode, including show notes and links for each guest. There you can also find social media links and to sign up for new episode notifications. Thanks. We'll talk soon.